Hi, my name's Enzo, and I live on the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and the Mississaugas of the Credit River nations. I, Jasper, live on lands covered by the Williams Treaties that are the traditional territory of the Mississaugas, a branch of the greater Anishinaabeg nation which includes Algonquin, Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi. So what does that have to do with weed? Cannabis prohibition is intertwined with the history of colonialism in Canada, and laws against possession and trafficking have been used disproportionately against indigenous people. We're all treaty people, so let's do our part to learn the untold histories of the land we live on. Obviously, we think cannabis is wonderful, but you can have too much of a good thing. If you've been feeling like your cannabis use is causing more problems than it's solving, just know that you're not alone, and you're definitely not crazy. Check our show notes for links to government helplines for people struggling with cannabis and other substance use. And please, use responsibly. Get into the groove, boy, you've got to prove your love to me. You did say get in the groove, right? I didn't make that up. Yeah, no, you <laughs> you were correct. Maybe we should just start every episode with you singing. That seems to be a real hit. I'm not going to lie, I stole that from... Not really, that, but I didn't really steal... That's a real song. I, yeah, I know that's a real song. <laughs> the seasons are changing. With the passage of time, chlorophyll makes way for anthocyanins and flavonoids. Change is in the air, but we're still right here. I'm Jasper. And I'm Enzo. And this is Leaf Debrief, a podcast where two cannabis users use cannabis and then talk about it with remarkable incompetence. And inefficiency. Ah, what is new with you this week, Enzo? I'm not going to go into it in as much detail as I did on the take we just discarded, but I've been feeling a little bit under the weather, so that's bummed me out, but I'm excited to be recording with you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while since our last recording, and uh, we've got a little bit of a different setup this time. This is our first time recording remotely, I guess. Sort of. We've done a couple of the bumpers remotely. Yeah, and we we also did record one episode that was discarded because of uh, some technical difficulties that we had, but I'd say this is our first remote recording in earnest then. I mean, episode two was pretty in earnest, man. <laughs> it just was unusable. <laughs> It was honest. We'll put it that way. Yeah, so I think technical hurdles aside, we might just take a little bit to uh, get into the groove here. But yes, because it has been a while, life things have gotten in the way. And due to the cresting of the second wave of COVID-19, yes, we're not recording in person anymore. We were part of a bubble system, but that is dead. We're in our we're all in our own homes again. So we're making do. That's why yeah. you're joining me on the line. Yeah, it's uh, we've gotten really lucky so far. I live in a pretty small town and uh, we have both kept very small bubbles, we've both been very COVID safe. But as of right now, I think uh, I think we are both of the opinion that the responsible thing to do for us right now is uh, stay remote for a while. Absolutely. So we'll be doing that for the foreseeable future. Maybe in mid-fall, mid-winter, we'll be able to do in-person again, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. But uh, enough of that. We've got lots of stuff on our plate for cannabis news, I think, this week. Um, I've, we've got, I've got tons. We've got too much. I think we went a little too long without recording, so we've just got this deluge of new products and implements and options to talk about. I'll get us started here because I've got a really big development. Uh, this is one that you've been on my case about for 
I want to say, years? Yeah, like three months. I don't know. You've mentioned this to me as early as uh, probably like five years ago. It was just kind of a passing conversation thing. But yeah, you really started egging me on uh, in the last few months. And that is the decision to legitimize my cannabis use with a um, medical certificate license. I don't don't know. A a prescription Uh, and a certificate. Yes, a prescription. A license. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yes, I, I am now legitimately medical. Uh, I've been obviously using cannabis for recreational and medical purposes for many, many years now, but uh, it does feel nice to have that use legitimized in a, a kind of a medical way. And I am now getting products through Shelter Market and CanMart, which is really great. It's opened up my options to a lot of fantastic cannabis, including some actual craft cannabis. Oh, I feel too ca- good for us on the recreational side now that <laughs> now that you've gone legit. Okay, I see how it is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's not to say I'm never going to be buying recreational again, but there is some really nice stuff on the medical side, and one of which I'm going to be probably reviewing for this episode here. I just, uh, I, I don't know, I felt kind of bad on episode two when we made that talk about all the, the craft cannabis that was hitting the market, and then went on to talk about literally zero craft cannabis producers so uh, we did that in episode two we did yeah (laughs) i mean i don't know that was that was (laughs) you expecting my brain to retain information about something that was like four weeks ago yeah i guess i don't know the editing process just burns it into my hippocampus yeah it does the opposite for me (laughs) it burns it out (laughs) yeah (laughs) fair enough well, anyway, yeah, really exciting products. Uh, some craft cannabis from, uh, I've managed to try North 40, the, uh, the Habitat Cake, which I think you were really excited about, uh, and some new offerings from an, a new producer called Gnome Star. Uh, that's the uh, Dr. Earl Oliver, uh, who I've been following along with on Twitter for a while. So it's really fun, really fun to just see all these people that y- you kind of feel like you know just from watching their grows and uh, seeing their pictures posted online, and then all of a sudden you're buying their products. It's it's a really wonderful experience, just uh, just kind of having this whole cannabis family. Cannabis Twitter seems more fun. Cannabis Twitter is a fun time, uh, and I'm sure... Cannabis Twitter would welcome you, welcome you with open arms if you were to uh, if you were to pick up an alt, and I would be sure to <laughs> let let everybody know that Enzo has graced graced us all with his presence. I mean, I'd probably just have it under my real name, which is Enzo Maroni. Fair enough. Let's keep running down the list. We got a lot of new products from the rec market as well, so not just medical stuff that you can enjoy as well. Oh, Enzo. thank you. So. Uh- <laughs> so beneficent of you to let me know. Uh-huh. Well, uh, some things from uh, your old homestead, the East Coast. We've got a lot of uh, lot of good stuff coming from Nova Scotia these days. So previously, I think uh, we had seen Robinsons coming out of Nova Scotia and then uh, Misigu. They're Nova Scotian, right? Yeah, they're definitely yeah. Scotian. Uh, yeah, so we have Truro, who are hailing, obviously, from Truro, Nova Scotia. And uh, the hub of Nova Scotia. (laughs) The hub. What is it a hub for? It's just that's the town slogan, the hub of Nova Scotia. And it's basically just like a drive through town with like a gas station and a couple restaurants, you know? So, like, it's got a bad (laughs) reputation. I don't know a whole lot about the East Coast because I was just someone that lived there to go to school. But my friends who are from the East Coast would make fun of Truro a lot. So, 
it's funny to me that we're getting some really great weed out of Truro. Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the place you're going to get something great out of anything. Uh, yeah, big surprises. Can't judge a book by its cover, I suppose. No. Uh, and also, we have uh, new products from an LP called Scotia. They have two new products on the OCS right now. They have a Lemon Dory. And they've got more than two. Because they also have Mirage nor'easter and then i think they have mirage and nor'easter plus which are the same ones with a higher thc account and a higher price point to boot yes you are right yeah so i'm seeing the lemon dory mirage plus and the nor'easter plus Uh, i I don't see the mirage or the nor'easter available on ocs just the plus i think they were on their website but i could be completely wrong Uh, uh, new stuff in concentrates as well. We kind of touched on this last episode, but uh, I've been kind of diving in a little bit more, so I have a lot more to say on it. And uh, I, th- I think some new toys to play with for whenever the next time you and I get together. Uh, new concentrates. We've got a new wax section on the OCS with currently just one product. Uh, that is a crumble from Verse uh, Verse Concentrates, I believe, uh, the parent company being Valens Agritech. So they've released a, a couple of 510s recently, uh, and then this crumble, which I think may be one of my favorite new concentrates on the OCS. Oh, cool. Really delightful. Uh, I think I think you would enjoy this. And You say uh, that about a lot of concentrates, but I'm not... I'm not having them yet. <laughs> uh, Seven Acres has released a uh, Flower Rosen, which was also pretty tasty. And uh, San Rafael 71 also released a Live live Resin, I think. Uh, the Live Resin OG- 510 cards. Uh, as well as just a, a plain Live Resin, uh, the OG Chem Dog. So just some Terp Sauce. Oh, yes, yes, of course. And um, what many people in the cannabis community seem to be rejoicing about is the fact that it seems like concentrates are like everything else in the market. We're having major price corrections. So the mm-hmm. big deal is that SR71, whom I've not been impressed with lately for flour at all, but they have released this Terp Sauce. This, what's the product actually called? Batter? I think it's just live resin. Live resin. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pricing equivalent to black market grams. Yes. Uh, and that's why I picked it up. It was... I, mean, I won't say cheap, obviously, but compared to the concentrates we've seen on the OCS recently, it was cheap as dirt. And that falls in line with something we don't even have on our list, but is a trend. What is new in the cannabis community lately, which is that uh, we're seeing price hemorrhaging to the point mm-hmm. where this is, I believe, the first time the OCS has announced that the legal market price and the legacy market price are equivalent or lower in some case i think the average price for a gram on the black market is now 768 and it's like something like 755 for a legal gram which is huge yeah i mean everyone said it would happen and it is and it's great <laughs> it's only taken a couple of years but yeah we got there it i feel like there was no movement at all for like two years and then just like a really dramatic collapse in prices in the last six months mm-hmm. well i'd like to see that collapse uh tidal wave out to the concentrates a little bit more i think it's only a matter of time and that's that on that. Yeah. Well, I, I the new toy I keep alluding to here. So yeah, uh, sorry, I don't know what this is, and so it's hard for me to get excited about it. Please. Uh, it's basically just a, a I don't know a, a new vaporizer, I guess. Kind of. I've, I've developed the vaporizer acquisition syndrome that you warned about on a previous episode, but this is an, another recommendation actually from Twitter user Donna Don Nine. Uh, the dip devices every. Uh, and dip devices, I think, are hailing from Texas, I want to say. It's basically 
a uh, small concentrate vaporizer, uh, specifically designed for dabbing tiny amounts, I guess. Uh, so you you saw my honey straw yeah. last time you were here. You want to describe what that was? Uh, it looked a little bit like an alien laser gun shape, but what it actually was, I think, was a crucible. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something that you can heat up super freaking hot, right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically like a hot knife in the shape of a straw. Yeah, it was hard for me not to drop an F-bomb there, but um, it's just something you take a blowtorch to and it's not going to explode in your face, so you can use concentrates. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty lo-fi, and that was kind of my uh, introduction into the dabbing world, I guess, but the blowtorch was a little unwieldy, so I picked this up, and it is super cool. You can just dip it right into the container. It's basically like uh, an electric honey straw. You just press the button, it heats up a little coil on the end, and you just dip it into the container, and you can take tiny, tiny little amounts, just... Very nice dose control, which is why I think it would be great for you, my friend, to sample some of the delicious terp sauces on the market here without uh, sending yourself to Zanzibar. Zanzibar. That's a good word for it. Where, <laughs> where was Zanzibar? That's That's got to be a colonial name that is not in use anymore. Tanzania? Uh, you, you are correct. That is Tanzania. Cool. <laughs> Anyway, so next time, next time we get together, if if that ever happens in the foreseeable future, I will continue my conquest to get you dabbing on the concentrates, uh, even just a little tiny bit. And I will continue resisting as long as possible, but as always, eventually give in. So <laughs> what's next on the list? It's a learning experience, a living document, a live process, just like live resin. You know, we've got it all in there, the good and the bad. <laughs> this, uh... It's hard for me to say what's next on this list because you wrote 95% of this list um, because I've been sick and bad and not been paying attention to what's going on in cannabis for the last 10 days or so. Yeah, fair J enough. Jasper has too much weed. Jasper, do you have too much weed? I have too much weed. Yeah, so this is a first for me. Uh, I think in all the time you've known me, Enzo, I've never, I've never said I have too much weed, or at least I, I've never felt that I have too much weed. I, I can always go through it, and even if I have a backstock... I've always been of the opinion that there's just no such thing as too much. However, I have now reached a point where uh, the number of ounces in my backstock has just surpassed the uh, the speed at which I can consume it. I'm, I guess, yeah. uh, commonly known as a stockpile. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the reason that you've never had a stockpile before is because you've never bothered to stockpile. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I've, I've never really had a reason to stockpile, but the explosion of really tasty products in the last year or so has been just as much of a problem as a blessing for me. So now I have, yeah, just uh, over over 30 different kinds of weed in my, uh, in my cellar, I guess, some of which I'm just sitting on because I have these giant, beautiful nugs that I refuse to smoke because I'm too emotionally attached to them. And now, uh, now with medical buys, I've got all these other new options, and yeah, I'm just sitting on close to four ounces right now. Okay, we both know that we stockpile different things in our homes, but I've got to challenge you right there on that emotional attachment to the buds. And why is that? <laughs> Get rid of them. You were, you just have. It's just you. You have hoarder tendencies. I think. I don't know what you're talking about. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
yeah, I, I don't know. There are a couple of buds that are just so picture perfect. Honestly, I drag them out and just look at them and then I'm putting them back in the jar. Then take a so, picture if they're per- picture I, perfect, man. Like <laughs> I've taken so many. So many. And your picture taking is getting so good that you're now getting accused of shilling. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to dial back the photo quality. Pretty, I, told, I, I told you that it, you don't want to be too slick. <laughs> well, that's about it for me, I think. Cool. Uh, I have still, again, very... The only note I really have on this is that now that we're reviewing stuff, we want to get as wide a selection as possible and try try all the variety that's available. But of course, we only end up really wanting to smoke the good stuff. And so things that are fine but are scoring near the middle of our rating scale, they tend to stick around for a long time because like, you're never like, oh, it's a Friday night. I had a difficult day at work. I feel like smoking this weed that didn't do it for me. (laughs) 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 No, it's a real problem. Honestly, I've got probably six or seven jars of just mids that honestly aren't that bad at all. It's good weed, but I've got so many more amazing things that why would i why would i open up any of those uh you've got a couple on that list though that i remember seeing in the spreadsheet that are definitely just bad oh yeah and those are the ones you had like 0.2 grams out of and then never touched again yeah no those are the ones that you can clearly see i got a 3.5 and we're sitting at 3.2 3.3 so uh, those will be the marley greens and the uh the grail rock stars grail rock star still grail product still at like 1250 a gram i don't understand what's going on but hey if, if they can move it power I, to you i guess they do okay we gotta get close to our main topic it's been 40 minutes on my end of whatever the hell we're talking about but it's it's just it's just a delight to be back here with you I agree. We've just got so much to talk about, so much enthusiasm that it's spilling out into uh, time if inefficiency. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we love to talk shit and definitely I think are maybe some of the more critical voices in the cannabis community media landscape as of right now. But don't get it twisted. We just we're saying mean things because we love this so much. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm like full joy. Yeah, this is just tough love. So what is on our uh, discussion plate for today? This is the topic that we're probably going to be maybe the most negative about <laughs> in the entire history of Leaf to Brief episodes past and future, which is the fucking packaging. Oh, yeah. <sighs> so the packaging. Obviously, there's no end to the complaints about this. It's been a problem since day one. What about the fucking packaging? There's way too fucking much of it. It's insane. There's no other consumer product that <laughs> has this many tamper-proof devices on it. There's a lot of things going on with the packaging, ultimately, is is the answer. But what we're getting at is a general frustration that there is too much, and too much of it is single-use disposable plastic. Every single product is covered in layers and layers of plastic. Yes. Even the cardboard that houses products that don't need to go in plastic has a plastic liner so it can't be recycled it's it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah even the cardboard and with canada moving towards banning single-use plastics in i think 2021 is the uh, the last figure that i saw it does seem doubly ridiculous that we are pumping out this level of plastic i'm glad you mentioned the cardboard because the, <laughs> there are a lot of cases where these uh these packaging disasters are not just a disaster in and of themselves but are actually going to take down other recycling efforts with them, such as the plastic-coated cardboard, which would uh, contaminate an entire load of recycled cardboard. So uh, we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us here. A lot of challenges, and 
I mean, when you speak to the licensed producers, social media teams, or anyone that works for them, you get kind of an answer. I don't know if I should go into my rant just yet. I've got my rant, and it's going to have to come at some point in this episode, but my my market forces rant. I don't know if it goes <laughs> right now. So I, I know what you were maybe kind of alluding to there with... Uh, when you talk to licensed producers on social media, you, you you do get a lot of kind of standard answers, the main one being Health Canada restrictions. And we are sympathetic to those. We understand that Health Canada has a lot of crazy restrictions that, uh, you, for instance, the plastic on the cardboard, uh, the standard response for that is to meet the uh, Health Canada smell-proof restriction, I believe. It has to be smell-proof and waterproof. So... <sighs> You know, just one of many ways you can accomplish that. So there's there's actually two set of, like, restrictions that we're dealing with. There are the restrictions done in the Cannabis Act on packaging, and then there's Health Canada's additional ones. Double whammy. Double whammy. And the private companies will inevitably go back, like, blame it on government regulation because that's what they do for almost everything, you know? Like, of course, these restrictions are negatively impacting uh, the company's ability to do business in the way that they would like to. If they had no restrictions, it's more likely that the equation would favor the company's balance sheets versus Canadians like health, you know? Right. But there are some pretty severe restrictions compared to, say, alcohol. (laughs) Or even just prescription medicine in general. Or prescription medication, which is pretty easy to, you know... (laughs) You can. It's just a clear plastic jar for most of us. Basically, the the companies can't really package things in paper or thinner plastic bags that are more easily recycled. It needs to because they're trying to prevent any escape of vapor or odor from the product. And the packages need to be completely opaque. You can't see the product from inside them. That's right. And that's to that's a separate issue. That's to prevent marketing towards children. I think mm-hmm. is the yeah, rational same behind with, that. Uh, same with colored packages. You can only use, I think, m- maximum one color in your background or something. Yeah. Whole bunch of stuff uh, geared towards, yeah, not marketing towards children. Just like we see plain packaging on cigarettes now for the same reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they look wonderful. I wouldn't know. So that aside, there are some licensed producers out there who are actually taking the initiative and not just trying to shift blame over to Health Canada or whatever government body they need to, uh, and are actually partnering with other, uh, I guess, recycling companies. Uh, the one I'm thinking of is Oxley. So the Oxley Group, who make, I believe, Robinson's Cannabis. Definitely Robinson's. Definitely Robinson's. Uh, Colab, as Colab, well yes. as Foray. Colab, Robinson's, and Foray. So Oxley has partnered with Green Tech, who I believe are an electronics recycling expert, to uh, to provide a recycling program uh, specifically geared towards vape cartridges. Which I <laughs> I've obviously had lots of rants about uh, vapes and disposable vapes and their impact on the environment. So I was really glad to see this, and I actually ended up reaching out to Oxley, specifically Scott Campbell, uh, to have some questions answered about their recycling program and uh, what what this can do for us going forward. Cool. <laughs> right. I want to challenge you on that because you're like, oh, yeah, I've had lots of rants about disposable vapes. You haven't had one on air. Uh, yeah. OK, I guess I haven't. Maybe I should have that rant now. Yeah, I've got a I've got a capitalism rant coming up. You can have a you can have a disposable lithium batteries rant. 
Okay, well, let's start that now. So a few years ago, before I had quit cigarettes, the first time I ever saw disposable vapes on the market, they were disposable e-cigarettes. I think you'd just pick them up in convenience stores for a couple of bucks. And I remember being a little bit leery over this, uh, specifically over the batteries, because most vaporizers use uh, lithium batteries. They're really high power uh, density batteries, so they can provide a huge kick, which allows vaporizers to heat up so hot. The problem with lithium batteries is that they're also kind of toxic. They're full of environmental contaminants, uh, and they're also very flammable and explosive. Uh, anybody who's listening to this has probably seen videos on the internet of things exploding in people's pockets. Uh, the Samsung Galaxy phone that caused a huge stir, a video of at least somebody poking a scissor into a lithium battery and having it spew napalm death everywhere. They're really nasty, uh, really nasty things to puncture. We're gonna, problem, so I am not the kind of person that seeks out videos of people poking lithium batteries because that would literally never occur to me. But <laughs> um, you definitely have. And so we'll post some in the show notes because I actually was just like, oh, Jasper's just ranting about something. I don't know. I don't know if this is important. And then I saw like a 30 second GIF of the laptop exploding and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah, it, sh it should be noted. This is not, you know, your standard fizzle and smoke. These things blow. They, they spew smoke and heavy metals. Yeah, they just absolutely explode and spew fire everywhere. So uh, they are, in fact, extremely dangerous and shouldn't be piling up in landfills. No, absolutely not, which is what they are going to do in disposable vapes. So I, I disassembled a disposable vape that I got from the OCS, and sure enough, it had a construction of mostly lithium battery. It was a big, fat one. And the problem with these here is that once they are depleted, they're actually much more likely to fail catastrophically. Uh, that is to say, blow up. So you've got a double whammy here. You've got depleted lithium batteries that are being thrown in garbages uh, and ending up in landfills, which are leaching heavy metals into the environment and also just exploding. So that's not great. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obviously, until these products are banned, which doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon, I'm sure that people like the convenience. I, I don't want to judge anyone for their consumer choices because we all make... We all make our own individual choices and compromise ourselves in so many different ways in the economic system in which we live. So if for whatever reason, like you're someone who like spends $1,200 on candles in a month and you can only and help my family's dying, um, like you can only for whatever reason buy disposable vapes. That's fine. We're not going to judge you for that. But just know, be an informed consumer. There is a serious environmental toll, not only aftermarket, but pre-market getting the supply of rare earth metals that we can even assemble these in the first place. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, so if you want to use disposable vapes, power to you. I bought one earlier on in the cycle because I was curious about any sort of concentrate products. I regret that decision now, but, you know, we're not, we just want to say we're not judging you here. Just, just know this, know about this. Mm -hmm. And even know about the risks to yourself. I had a brief Twitter conversation with a user highly positive who had to reach out to OCS and Hexo because uh, their depleted vape, which they had... I believe, stored in their dresser drawer, spontaneously exploded in their dresser. And, Whoa. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that was an interesting conversation. Uh, and, I mean, I won't get into too much detail here, but yeah, they did reach out to Hexo. 
I've noticed uh, all of the Hexo vape pens have been slashed in prices recently. I don't think it's related, but I'd like to think it would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be too long before we see these banned on the market. They're really just bad news all around. But of course, they favor users who really want discretion and maybe don't have as much disposable income. Okay, but the disposable income thing I take issue with, because when I got my very first vape battery, uh, it was just a cheapy model that I still, like, it's still working to this very day. I screw the 510 into it. It was 10 bucks, And I spent $10 on, you know, you spend a certain amount on a disposable vape pen, that is going to get thrown in the trash or you spend this extra $10 on a vape battery and just get the 510 cartridges here. It doesn't seem like that much of a financial stretch, even if you're, you know, not in the best situation. Sure. Um, teenagers are not known for their financial insight is what I would say. And I would say okay. <laughs> that the primary market for disposable vapes is teenagers. When you say teenagers, you mean 18 plus. Yes. In theory. Yes. <laughs> so rolling back to Oxley Group, uh, we are we are very happy to hear that Colab has partnered with Green Tech to uh, to bring us this vape recycling program, which I now have all the details for here. So uh, as far as what will be recycled, it looks like they're going to be focusing mainly on the cartridge and as well as the battery. But uh, every part of the cartridge, including the the metal, the plastic, the glass, uh, you can you can bring your components, your your vape cartridges, your batteries uh, into licensed stores for their recycling program, and they will accept it free of charge. Uh, the vendors, uh, there is no regulatory process or anything. The vendors just need to apply for the program. I believe the email there is info at collabproject.com. So if you apply to this program, you will have somebody reach out uh, to, to set up, I guess, a collection bin, and then they are in charge of uh, arranging for pickup so it's uh it's nice and easy for retailers to get set up with this program and by uh, retailers and vendors you mean dispensaries right yes yeah so cannabis retailers sorry no worries I zoned out and I wanted to make sure I knew what you were talking about. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, in addition to that, uh, Foray and Colab also have moved to completely biodegradable packaging uh, in their vape cartridges. So that's also nice to see. I've I've gotten some 510 carts from them recently and it's this nice kind of uh, recycled looking cardboard package. The nag I have here is that we are still seeing the film the uh, the plastic film on the cardboard here i've i've confirmed that that is not just straight plastic it is a biodegradable uh a bioplastic i guess a pl pla anyway uh so the the film is itself biodegradable i will say that but i i think this is going to come down to this issue i have with biodegradable plastics in general which is <sighs> So uh, the consumer mental model of biodegradability is basically something you can put in your compost. You know, you can throw it in your backyard compost and it will break down. How about and I think, a banana peel as the archetypal biodegradable waste? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a perfect example. Something that you can just stick in some dirt and after a few days it will start to look like the dirt. And I, I think that for all intents and purposes, that's a good definition of biodegradability. I don't think that's something that we should be relearning. But- Yes, that's the, that's the intuitive definition. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think we should jettison that definition. I think that's a good way to look at biodegradability. Maybe maybe a model to move towards. Yes, a goal perhaps. 
Um, but bioplastics do not fit that traditional model of biodegradability. Uh, most people don't know that these things we're calling biodegradable plastics actually need to be sent to special processing facilities to break down. You cannot just put them in your compost. Um, they actually do need to go to special facilities where I think they use a combination of heat and ultraviolet. Still a lot of work to be done there, and the fact that they've lined the cardboard with these plastics still means that they're likely to contaminate cardboard loads. Again, not a perfect solution, but... At least we can say there are fewer batteries entering the landfills. Yes, and if you have disposable vapes that you've been holding onto because you are environmentally conscious, please do uh, check into the CoLab Green Tech Recycling Program and head down to your local dispensary, uh, if they support the program, to recycle your vape batteries, and we will thank you. And if they don't support the program, it's probably just more likely that they don't know about it or know that there's consumer de- demand for it. So especially if you're dealing with a smaller local dispensary and not one of like the chains, the franchises that's popping up, pressure them. Ask them. They might be yeah. into it. I don't know. Lots of weed smokers are hippies, like ourselves included. So in some ways, you know, like, you know, yeah, man, just let's, pass, just, pass like, the education save, let's just like save the earth. Um, okay, so I think you've really found some interesting details about Oxley's program. It kind of throws me off, though, for this discussion, because I didn't realize that I was investigating a virtually identical (laughs) system, you know? Oh, okay. Like, I did some research on a parallel system that is basically the exact same thing, which is just that TerraCycle, which sounds like it's probably Greentech's competitor. Probably. TerraCycle has partnered with Tokyo Smoke, to accept seemingly all post-consumer packaging products ah. for uh, the, the collection and recycling. And the reason that this is a big deal is because Tokyo Smoke is the giant canopy canopy growth-backed franchise of dispensaries, mainly around Toronto, but I think they're opening elsewhere in Ontario, of course. Um, there's one right by my house but you know that's <laughs> that's not at all special because five dispensaries have opened up within the 400 meters of my house i don't know what it is you lucky dog anyway but now you can bring your recyclables there and yes. you said this covers all containers post-consumer they're saying that but here's where my rant comes in i'm i don't want leaf to brief to be a super political show because the fact of the matter is cannabis consumers lie all across the political spectrum this is true that's that's notable from a very brief interaction with the community. And so I don't want to alienate people that are maybe not on the left side of that spectrum and go for a rant about capitalism. But when it comes to the environmental degradation we're seeing because of these packages, the reason that private companies, licensed producers will gesture back to government regulations as the reason for their packaging failures, and let's just call them that because a lot of these packages, a lot of this plastic, it's too big. The product doesn't like sit well in it. It loses trichomes. It loses humidity. So we're still, they're still tinkering it. What they're not talking about is that they're also subject to market forces in that, as we've seen from higher end producers like Robinson's that you mentioned, and Simply Bear Organics, as well as I think a few other people are doing this, but nothing. Uh, Muskoka, Muskoka Grown's Blueberry OG in the tin can packaging. Oh, uh, yeah, the tuna. There are alternatives. There's glass and there's tin. The problems in the cannabis industry do not exist only because we're talking about packaging cannabis. They mirror the problems with post-consumer plastic packaging in every industry across the globe. And why is plastic the first option in all cases? Because it is the cheapest to produce. 
It is yes. the, it saves money for the companies. Their bottom line improves. As a consumer, there's not much we can do. We can we can complain, which is what we're doing right now on this radio show. But we are asking companies to work against their material best interest in favor of the interest of the consumer and asking them to reduce their profits voluntarily in a competitive environment. These are not things that actually happen. Plastic is going to be the name of the game until it is no longer financially viable to do so. And usually that happens with government regulations. So yes, we're seeing Canada is getting rid of single-use plastics Mm -hmm. um, in some regard, but that's not consumer packaging at all. We're still going to have as much stuff shipped in plastic until alternatives become commercially viable. I did an okay job of explaining that without going too full communism, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and I think, I think the point about commercial viability is, uh, is a real one to stick on, too, because it's very easy to turn around and say, well, hemp-based bioplastics are the answer. You know, that's a, that's a very popular answer in the cannabis community for obvious reasons here. But Yeah, we love hemp. hemp. We want to see it in every, <laughs> in every configuration around the world. Absolutely. I love hemp and I would love to see more of it too. Personally, I think hemp could save the uh, the paper industry, forestry, but I, there are obviously problems. Um, so hemp-based bioplastics have problems with uh, rigidity, long-term storage, and other things that, you know, people maybe aren't even thinking about, like the agricultural shift that would be needed to to all of a sudden farm that amount of hemp, you know, it might have impacts on biodiversity. No, and actually what the oil companies that produce a lot of like byproducts that eventually become post-consumer plastic, as oil gets phased out as country, you know, as the world community either adapts to the pressures of climate change or does not, which is increasingly looking like the material reality we're living in. <sighs> but there is there's discussion about like these companies will actually move to packaging, <laughs> like making a plastic as their first. That's what they're going to diversify into. They're going to reduce their production of like petroleum products and actually just go straight to consumer byproducts. So there's going to actually be even more industry pressure for plastic as oil companies continue to suffer. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be an interesting decade ahead of us. Yeah. So... And I guess probably improving our recycling programs in general, I... Oh, this is... Oh, no, this is the genesis of the... This is why I'm so angry and like animated about this. All recycling has been a lie. Yes, from, from the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have one of these moments of I've been telling people this for years. No, it, the recycling industry is a lie. And every time I say to somebody, "We need to be burning our trash," I get the, the worst winces. And uh, on, honestly, it's just a poorly elaborated thought. But yeah, no, the recycling industry has been lying to us for so many years. Our plastics do not get recycled. The vast majority of them do no, end up in no, landfills. It's, it's something like 10-15% of them do. And that doesn't even get into the nuance of, you know, what kinds of plastics and the different numbers. God, yeah, there's so many of them. And so many, that's what we're frustrated about is so many of these cannabis packages are in non-recycled plastic to begin with. Yep. Black plastic as a no-go in most municipalities. Ah, Please take your plastic to your your local Tokyo smoke (laughs) retailer. Please take it to your locust. Your locust. Please take it to your locust overlords. (laughs) In exchange for half a year's supply of grain. And what you can do is 
You can ask your independent retailer if you're going to an independent dispensary. You can ask them to sign up with TerraCycle too. But the fact of the matter is that like TerraCycle is basically just a private company greenwashing other private companies by giving them an out for making these non-recyclable plastics. Then another company can make a profit by jumping in and taking all that plastic and making like some weird bags with like Doritos logos on it or something. I don't know. They seem to be like <laughs> they seem to be like a like an upcycling thing. Oh, okay. You know, like but it's it's still just like if our economic system made sense for the environment that we live in. You know, like this would never have happened in the first. We wouldn't need TerraCycle or green tech in the first place. Right. If, if we just went back to the 1940s and used glass and metal for everything. <laughs> it's just more, it's just, it just costs more. And that's that on that. Yeah, that's that on that. I, I'm definitely digging all the uh, the glass jars I've been getting recently. Uh, Shelter. Shelter ships all of their 3.5s in glass jars, these nice dark amber glass. I think that's a nice one. But yeah, that is a big cost to licensed producers. I know personally from sending you glass jar samples of weed. Yes, very expensive to ship. Mm -hmm. So, hey, if you're working in the legal cannabis industry and you think we're being unfair, sure, fair enough. I don't know what it takes to run a a multi-million dollar cannabis business, and I don't understand the sort of pressures you have towards your stockholders. That's fair. But what I can say is just as a human being who's concerned about the state of my human environment, maybe switch to glass. There is a legacy market that did a really great job of having minimal packaging for a really long time. Too little packaging in the legacy market. Yeah, I'm not saying that Mylar bags are the answer. There's got to be a happy medium. There's got to be something in the middle, for sure. But uh, thank you. Thank you to licensed producers who are trying to make a difference in this area here uh, with recycling all of our containers and with our vape packages. Uh, So Oxley, thank you. Uh, TerraCycle, Green Tech. You going to just kiss their boots like that? I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm being I'm Banksy guy today. Okay, that was the fucking packaging. Yeah, I, I think we tore the packaging a new one. I hope I came off as clever. <laughs> I, I was talking with such confidence. <laughs> uh, let's talk about weed. Yeah, I think it's about time. Why don't we take a quick break so that I can take care of some uh, executive functions? <laughs> sure. Why don't we take a quick break and then we can... You need to can... some executive functions. You need, to, uh, you need to be able to prioritize between tasks. You need to, you need to decide which tool to do a job with. Or, I think or I did you just one. mean, yeah, yeah. Did you just, did you just mean to say you need to go to the bathroom? But try to yeah, make think... it sound like really clever. Well, aren't you <laughs> a real charmer today? I'm sorry. I've been in bed for like 10 days straight. I don't know how to re- interact with humans anymore. <laughs> Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast for some reason, we've got more content on the internet. Go to leafdebrief.com to read our latest cannabis reviews, or follow us on Twitter, at leafdebrief, to chat me up personally. And, you know, if you're feeling charitable, do the like, rate, subscribe thing. Your approval is our lifeblood. Welcome back to Leaf Debrief, a sanatorium nestled deep in the Swiss Alps, overlooking... Fjords and valleys crusted with <laughs> delicate shapes of ice <laughs> overlooking a sparkling infinity uh, <laughs> of health and healing for those with tuberculosis. Hi, uh, my name's Enzo. And I'm Jasper. That was beautiful, Enzo. <laughs> Thanks. I'm really just trying to do more improv in every aspect of my life. It's vastly improving it. It's vastly improving mine as well. <laughs> uh, we're back here uh, for the review portion. 
We're back. We've consumed some cannabis. This is kind of a special episode because it's the first one where I've actually really gotten comfortable enough to get pretty baked. Yeah, you you would say you're on the lit side right now. Uh, I'm I'm just over the threshold, like which I think is a pretty good spot. But you have been complaining to me off air that I'm not getting high enough, and it's it makes me perform fewer verbal gaffes. <laughs> You've been upset about that fact, so I'm trying to. The strain that I'm talking about today is one of the very few that I feel comfortable just like going to town on. And that's why I chose it to review. Well, that's good. I'm glad you, you feel comfort a lot. Comfort a lot. Comfort a lot. Comf- comfortable enough to go to town on it here. And I'm a little sad to not be in person, I guess, for it. But uh, I'll take what we're I can get. Say, yeah, th- those those episodes are coming. Yeah, and they'll, playing, and they'll include concentrates. We're playing the long game here at Leafy Brief. Uh, because we're producing content for you, our dear, dear friends. And today's content is me talking about a weed oh cannabis so first of all i owe all of our listeners an apology um because i am simping for simply bear organics a bc licensed producer that i have had the pleasure and privilege to review now several times for our website and it was is in fact the most recent review as of today's recording that i've put up on the website was for another simply bear product I prom. I just want to assure everyone listening out there that we are not paid for this. We don't have sponsors. This so. is just what I happen to have in my stash right now, and I will be rotating through some other producers soon. So yeah, that's my caveat. So you're simpling, simpling. Uh, I'm simpling for simply bear, baby. <laughs> this is kind of great because this is actually like that's the episode title of one of our lost episodes. So now we get to reuse it. Yes, today I am reviewing. Sorry, it's a bit of a mouthful. They're Simply Bear Organic, BC Organic Roberts Creek Congo, which retails for fifteen ninety nine a gram on the OCS in 3.5 gram packages. Woo. Why did I choose this one? This is my absolute favorite sativa on the legal market. It was, I think, one of the first legal products I tried, in fact, if my memory serves me correctly. I sought it out specifically why? Because of that cultivar name congo and what is it what is it you wanted from the congo congo the most common black market legacy market product that i've seen on the canadian mail order side is red congolese but red congolese is a pretty popular strain it's rumored to be you know an african land race african land race strains cultivars are known for being high in thcv tetrahydrocannabivarin, which is another cannabinoid that can be found in some strains of cannabis, although usually in low quantities. Yeah, it's a little bit more exotic than some of the cannabinoids you typically see on the jar. Why do I seek out high THCV strains? Because THCV, it doesn't operate in the same way that THC does. It is actually known for making THC less psychoactive. So why I seek out anything with like the name Congo or Durban Poison is another like high THCV strain is because they're known for being particularly like clear-headed among sativas. Going through our patent pending four category system, and if you've listened to an episode before, just skip ahead on 90 seconds. See you on the other side. Presentation, nose, taste, and effects. 
Presentation covers our visual and tactile impressions of the bud. What does it look like? How does it feel? Are the buds light and squishy or dense? Do they look dull or are they covered with glistening trichomes? Look to this category for nug size, density, texture, humidity, and aesthetic appeal to determine just how much pizzazz this bud has to offer. Nose is all about smell and the olfactory experience of the bud. What does this cannabis smell like when you first crack open the jar? When you break open the buds? And when you bust it up? Does the smell linger in my nostrils or fade quickly? Does it remind me of something I know or conjure up obscure childhood memories? Taste. If we're putting it in our bodies, why wouldn't we want it to be delicious? But that's not all. We'll also be evaluating a bud's taste on cohesiveness. Does it convey a flavor well? Uniqueness. Is it unlike anything we've tried? Only tastes we like score well, but extra points are awarded for surprises. And finally, effects. The variations of feelings we get from the bud. Does it relax my muscles, make it easier to focus, put me to sleep, or heighten my perception of music? Jasper, on the other hand, will mostly be commenting from a tolerance perspective, starting with, did he even feel it, and working upwards from there. Each category is worth 10 points. We'll add these up to produce a mathematical average, along with a subjective score to account for our own personal feelings. That's right, folks. Sometimes these numbers average out in unexpected ways, and we reserve the right to be as biased as we are as human beings. All right, so Simply Bear... B.C. Organic Creek Congo. I got that right? Roberts Creek Congo. Roberts Creek Congo. That is a mouthful. All the Simply Bears have the B.C. Organic uh, prefix, don't they? Yes. And they have that because this is like a little bit of licensed producer, like evil trickery that I don't like. But naming, putting organic in the strain name as the product name means that you can like get away with certain licensing things if maybe your product wasn't actually certified organic. I was going to say, does that mean it's actually certified organic or is that just kind of marketing speak? So all intents and purposes, Rubicon Simply Bear seems to be the real deal because they have a third party certifier, F-V-O-P-A, Fvopa certified. (laughs) And so... They get a pass on that. All right. Because it seems to be the real deal. Okay. Real organic. Why am I simply... I I told you why I'm fiending for THCV. That's because I have ADHD. I find sativas help me with executive function, but some sativas are too hallucinogenic or psychedelic and make me feel uncomfortable. This is not one of those. And I think it's because of the THCV. I was just going to say, you usually mix uh, a little bit of CBD into your THC weed to reduce that psychoactive effect. Yes, but with Roberts Creek Congo, I don't really need to worry about it because I find, not in not all instances, but most of them, when I'm vaping this product at THCV's boiling point, which is 220 degrees Celsius, I experience a more simulating high than I do for most products. And I find, in particular, this strain is great for cleaning the house, which, <clears throat> as someone with ADHD, I'm not always inclined to do every day until I vape some of this and then I'm spontaneously, spontaneously vacuuming under the couch. So it breathes a little life into you, you say? I I mean, if my insane ramble for the last five minutes isn't any indication, <laughs> I don't think I'm being very, like... <laughs> I don't think I'm following, like, the most linear thought train right now. That's all right. I can keep you on track here. Why don't you pop into your review? We can start uh, talking about presentation a little bit. Visuals. Yeah, we can start talking about the first category, which is visuals. I have enjoyed this product multiple times. I'm talking about two jars that I got from the same lot number, which were packaged on July 24th. As of time of writing, that's, that's a few months ago now, so we might expect some moisture loss. But what I love about Simply Bear is that they almost always do the presentation right. Mm -hmm. My sample of this, it contained, you know, it's not like a single three and a half gram bud, which is some producer's style. 
you know, which is always impressive. But you're always getting nice, large buds. And I've, I've never seen popcorn with them, except with their Charlotte CBD, which is a little bit expected for a CBD strain. I love taking photos of this, and I'll upload them to our review, of course, because it's just got these beautiful, dark green buds. It's hand-trimmed, so they've left like a few of the sugar leaves on the outside for visual effect. This BC Organic Roberts Creek Congo really contains like a nice dark chlorophyll that you might see on a maple leaf. On Congolese strains, the pistils are usually like large and overgrown and they not like PGR weed, but in a natural, a pleasant way, right? And red Congolese are usually like kind of a fiery bright red color. These are actually just a nice burnt umber, you know, like a baked brick color. And there's some wonderful contrast with that dark, dark green. That's really awesome. find these beautiful to look at and they sparkle in the light and they're gummy to the touch. They're still fresh oils. They have not evaporated out and coming in at 52 relative humidity four months after purchase date. That's why. That's nice. I still have yet to find a Simply Bear that hasn't uh, met that nice tackiness. Yeah. And want to know why? Because they're using glass jars. It's such a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer for the us, the consumer, but we're also the suckers that are willing to pay $15.99 a gram for it. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, like, if we're being honest, that's, there's the glass. I can see it in the price tag. Yeah, and and all the other LPs in that price range, you know, your, your Robinsons also shipping in glass jars. I, I'm sure a couple of dollars of that are going into the packaging. But it really makes a difference when it comes to presentation. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's just so nice cracking it open and just, like, I have an extra three and a half sticking around in my stash. I'm not even worried about opening it anytime soon. I'm not worried about retransferring it to another jar. It's going to be great in the packaging for another three months at least. Oh, yeah. I keep all of them in the original jars. So moving on to the score that I'm going to give it for the presentation. Solid praise. I'm going to give it an eight. It looks good. It sounds good. It's not the best weed I've ever, like the prettiest weed I've ever seen in my, in my entire life, but it looks great. So that's an easy eight for me. Nose. Longtime Leaf to Brief listeners will know that I get a little obsessive about the nose of a given cannabis cultivar. And I really enjoy this offering from Simply Bear. Of everything in my stash, it reminds me of Seven Acres Jean Guy that I wrote a review of a couple months ago that you can check out if you want, because its primary aroma is just this really simple combination of notes, like a piney, woody note coupled with a sweet, bright, lemony citrus. Mm, lemon and pine. Beautiful. It it just works. Like lemon and woods work as a scent combination. We've known this for thousands of years, really. Uh, and you can see that combination, obviously, in lots of modern cleaning products. You know, your your pine and lemon floor cleaners. It's uh, a tried and true combination. Yes. And actually, like, you know, the vast majority of men's consumer fragrances are kind of based on that pillar because of because it fucking works. And so this smells delicious when I open the jar. My negative criticisms towards the Jean Guy from Seven Acres was that it lacked background noise. The total like amount of terpenes was not high enough so that I could perceive like a fuller, more complex picture. Whereas with this Simply Bearer BC Organic Roberts Creek Congo, I do. There is that symphony that I'm looking for of like background notes that are supporting that pairing of lemon and pine. So you would say it's a, a fuller, more robust smell than the Exactly. Genre. And that's why I'm giving it a higher score of 8.5. In this bouquet, I smell like there is seems to be and simply bears terpene description backs me up on this, but there seems to be like high amounts of terpinoline, which is a sweet 
woody citrus smell. In addition to old favorites, myrcene, limonene, you know, the ones we expect. Lots of terpinoin in this. And that tends to, not always, but I think it's what what's my pot on Twitter that says that high terpinoines out of us tend to be like more stimulating or motivating. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And so, because I said my score a little while ago, but then continue talking, I'm going to just reiterate again that my score for that is 8.5 on the nose. So, so far, quite strong for Simply Bear's offering. Yeah, we had an 8 and an 8.5. Yeah. Moving on to taste. This is where this product lets me down a little bit but I don't really care for reasons that, you know, will remain clear. There's a very interesting flavor at lower temps in the vaporizer and this. And it's a flavor that I cannot place, but reminds me of the, like, fast, casual Mexican chain that was next to every <laughs> cineple- next to every cineplex in Southern Ontario between the, like, years of 1998 and 2006. That's a very specific reference that I know. Uh, go and on. Not- <laughs> And not even, it's about to get even more specific. It tastes like they're three cheese enchiladas. <laughs> There's like a weird like epizote, herbal, oregano-y, onion-y flavor. I don't know. It's just like in my notes over multiple tasting sessions, I just have Mexican food, Mexican food, Mexican food written over and over again. There's like something, <laughs> there's a flavor compound I'm identifying as like Mexican in my brain, but I can't tell you really what it is. I, I associate I, Mexican with like cumin, I guess, chili powder. I don't know. Yeah, not not that. It's it's definitely on the herbal side. It's it's more like a parsley, but there's, there's kind of like a cheesy funk underneath it. Okay. <laughs> that sounds very foody. It, it is more savory than the nose because the nose is filled with this kind of beautiful terpinoline limonene sweetness. And so it is always more savory in the vape than I expect it to be. There is like a sweet woods flavor, but it passes very quickly. And the reason that it passes very quickly is because I'm vaping this at the max temperature on my vaporizer at 220C. We're actually like closer to combustion than we are vaporization at those temperatures. Mm -hmm. You're getting more harmful compounds. You're getting benzene and like you're almost at smoke territory. And so that those flavors tend to be pretty fleeting, but that's just because I'm trying to get every last like drop of THCV by vaping it at that high temperature. So a little bit of a caveat for this, this bud, because it's not undergoing the same conditions as the other ones, but we have a taste for serving up like early 2000s inauthentic Mexican. I'm going to give it a seven for taste. All right. Still in the high range. Effects. I've been raving about effects since the beginning of this segment, so I don't think that I'm going to elaborate them on too much further, but I am seeking out the Sadova. I basically always want to have it on me because it accompanies a lot of activities that I might find have difficulty doing on my own without the extra adrenaline because of my ADHD. And so I, I find it a really good tool and something I want to have most days, to be honest. So that's that's an 8.5 for me in that regard as well. An 8.5 for effects? Yeah. Wow, okay. Clear-headed alertness can occasionally go into anxiety, but I find that an excess of this, instead of giving me too much mental energy, it gives me too much physical energy, and then I can just go, like, run a little bit and work it off. So it makes me want to do stuff. Yeah, I mean, I you, like ma- that. you make it sound like it would be a great medicinal choice. I-, I know. I'm resistant to going medical for a couple of reasons at this point. I'm considering it. But the one product that I'm like, no, I could go to my psychiatrist, uh, theoretically speaking, of course. <laughs> I-, I feel like I could go to my psychiatrist and be like, this one definitely actually helps my ADHD symptoms. I'm not making it up. You know? So I really like this product. I want a stockpile of it at all times. And so going to shelter would be worth, probably worth, worth it for me in that regard alone. 
Yeah, they're always well-stocked with Rubicon. Overall. Overall, what does that give us? Just going to give this one an 8 and say that I'm I'm happy with it at an 8. I don't need to bump that up subjectively. So the average and the subjective score are 8 for Simply Bear, BC Organic, Robert's Creek, Congo. <laughs> I'm getting better at it each time. Just rolls off the tongue so naturally. A pretty laudatory review. We're still in the Goldilocks zone. This is the problem when you keep buying good weed that you... <laughs> like we got to buy... For the sake of our listeners, we've got to buy... Some swag? No. We've got to buy some swag? No, we need we need some variety in our reviews. We keep going back to the same producers because they're knocking it out of the park. I know. I, and really, we should be, I guess, more acknowledging of the fact that there is actually a lot of good stuff in the low end. It's just, it's just you have to buy in such large amounts that n- neither of us are really itching to to drop oh it's 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 primarily that and i mean you know we were technically both white collar workers i guess yeah so like that's why we can afford these prices but a lot of people can't afford especially if they're consuming at high quantities a lot of people can't afford simply bear i probably shouldn't be but dang, I keep I keep shelling out for that 8.5. But if you're still against all odds, still listening to the show, I promise that we'll um, we'll take a dive in some unexplored segments of the market soon. Mm-hmm. Well, an eight for your your BC organic Roberts Creek Congo. That sounds like it's probably going to land very close to uh, to what I averaged out on on my on my end. Here. Oh, oh no, leaf debris boys like the weed again. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we just don't buy weed we don't like. Yeah, I, I swear. That's not f- true. You've bought, you have like ounces of it. You're just not touching it. Yes, this is true. I do have probably at least a half ounce of stuff that uh, it just is just sitting and gathering dust. But but this one, this one is not going to be gathering any dust anytime soon. Uh, this also mer- marks the first occasion of a medical review that uh, I will be doing here. So I put out a little poll on Twitter just to see if the community was even interested, I guess, in listening to medical reviews. And the general consensus seemed to be that it was fair game and that uh, weed is weed. And as we all know, a lot of the products on the medical market are just available in recreational market in other provinces or even in the same province. So really the lines between medical and recreational are blurry at best. I don't personally think there's any reason we shouldn't be reviewing these products. And yeah, this is one that I got from Shelter Market. Uh, this is something I've been seeing popping up on Twitter since uh, since it hit the market on Shelter here. Lots of good feedback about this. And this is the North 40 Black Cherry Punch. Uh, so Shelter has up to date been releasing this under their Farmstead sub-brand, I believe, which is kind of uh, how they've been releasing uh, micro-cultivators products. So there's a couple of different LPs under the under the Farmstead sub-brand. But yeah, I'm going to be reviewing the North 40 Black Cherry Punch grown by Gord. Uh, so, Just one interjection from me quickly. Yeah. Can you give a little explanation to our listeners maybe who might not know what a micro-cultivator is and why they need to go through Farmstead. Yeah, of course. So microcultivators. In this uh, crazy legal environment, there's all kinds of players. You know, we've got your big corporate players and your small-time growers. Uh, Not everybody has the resources to go big time. You know, some people specialize in growing. You know, everybody's got their their relative specialties here. So a micro cultivator, in, in this case, we're talking about somebody who is specializing in the growing of the actual cannabis and then sells it wholesale. Sells it wholesale because, to th- because they lack 
this is what I was trying to get into, because they lack a microprocessing license. Oh, okay. Maybe you would be better to explain this then. I mean, I don't have a super cohesive understanding of the different kinds of licensing, but there are significant financial and legal barriers to people that want to enter the legal cannabis market. Even if like microcultivators aren't just like, oh, I'm I'm a specialist because I love what I do and I, I just want to specialize. It's because like it costs like a million dollars alone to get your microcultivation license. And we're talking like further to get a processing license, you need a certain amount of square footage, you need a certain amount of like resources. So the costs add up like really fast. There's a ton of small players in the industry who don't have the facilities to get the full licensing or like just don't have the capital. Mm -hmm. And so Farmstead is Shelter Markets, a licensed distributor is their like processing label. So North 40 grows the weed and then they ship it to shelter for processing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it just kind of lowers the barrier to entry for those small producers so that they aren't having to jump through all those hurdles. Uh, you know, a, something like Farmstead has already jumped through those hurdles and covered those costs. So then they can offer that opportunity to micro cultivators like North 40 so that their beautiful products can then make it out to market without all of those legal and other hurdles. Yeah, a lot of talent who can probably grow a mean plant without coming up with that much scratch, you know? Yeah, just mar opens up the market a little bit more accessible. And that's why you said that this is real craft cannabis. Real craft cannabis. Yeah, so this Black Cherry Punch is one of, I believe, two offerings uh, that were up in shelter when I looked, the other one being the Colada. But this is the one that I'd seen all the buzz about here. Should I just get into it? Yeah. Yeah, all right. So presentationally, this bud is pretty damn beautiful. Uh, my my experiences of medical so far have been a little hit and miss in terms of presentation. Most of it is coming in mylar bags, and as we've brought up plenty of times, uh, it it always gets a little bit lost in translation when it's traveling via mylar. The buds always get a little bit squished. Uh, you know, you always get a little bit of trichome in the corners of the bags. That all being said, the presentation on this black cherry punch was actually pretty sublime. Uh, there was a little bit of squish from the bag. It cannot be avoided. But the buds themselves are just impeccably beautiful. The color on these is basically just purple and orange. Uh, I, in the right light, you can see there's green underneath there. But if you put this under directly under a light, it actually just becomes overwhelmingly white from the amount of trichome dusted over, over top of it. No, it's a beautiful beautiful purple with almost neon orange pistols. The bud sizes are really nice overall. I'd say probably an average of about 0.75 to 1.5 size buds, which is a really nice change from the popcorn that I've been getting in the medical stream so far. Overall, presentationally, I think this is worth at least an eight. I love looking at it. Uh, so yeah, that, yeah that I, I'm surprised you only gave it an eight just because like when I see that color combo of purple and orange and it looks that dramatic uh it, when i remember you sent me a text video you're like is this going to be the first 10 for nose and without even really reading your text i just assume you meant presentation because it looked to me that bud looks exotic i hate i know that's an overused marketing term but i'm just like mm, it's pretty uh yeah no i i think that's a perfect way to put it it is very exotic looking it looks like something uh you know, you see in the Instagram posts of those plugs where they're just handling handfuls of purple weed and it just looks like all the colors of the rainbow. 
Yeah, no, it, it is beautiful stuff. I think I think the main reason it got an eight is just because it it did suffer a little bit from transport. The buds are a little bit squished, and you you get the you know you get the odd broken up one that just isn't as pretty as like they aren't all the purple and orange. Some of them are genuinely green, but they're just small little pieces. So it's just I I would rate it very high, just not perfect, you know. Gotcha. Moving on to nose. Moving on to nose. This is one that I came damn near close to rating perfect. So you mentioned this here. When I first took a whiff of this black cherry punch, I immediately texted you because it was an exciting experience. I honestly thought this was going to be the first 10 we gave out for nose. Since spending some time with it, I have revised my opinion, basically because nothing is perfect. I, I only dropped it a little bit, though. So I got to describe the nose on this. This reminds me of, it reminds me of the juice I had in my fridge as a youngster. Uh, so the kind of like generic brand, uh, reddish colored cherry drink, I guess, from concentrate, you know, the stuff you get like in frozen jars in the grocery store that leaves a, a big red stain around your lips when you drink it. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Full of red dye known to cause neurotoxic reactions <laughs> to children i'm sh- i'm sure that stuff the uh 100 juice 100 juice no hell no <laughs> from concentrate from concentrate yeah uh but no that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of the the cherry drink as a kid so maybe i'm a little nostalgic about this but every time i open the jar I just, I have to stick my nose in there and whiff it. I I get excited to smell this when I open it. It it doesn't quite jump out and punch you in the face the way like a really strong kush might. And that's, I think, kind of what eventually led me to knock a half point off of it. But overall, I really love this smell. And I'll admit to being a little biased uh, towards my nostalgia. That's probably why I'm rating this so high. But it's it's like a cherry or a cranberry, something dark, uh, tart, maybe tannic. I, I, I want to say cranberry, actually, um, with like little notes of uh, fruity cereal, maybe something with a little bit of linalool in it. So anyway, overall, I gave this a 9.5 for smell, which, whew, <laughs> which places this right next to Wedding Crasher. So that's saying big things for the smell of this bud. I was prepared for something that I would really like, and I got exactly what I was prepared for. My mouth is watering at that description, so... I honestly can't wait to send you some. As far as taste goes, it does taste like it smells. It's fruity and juicy and sweet and a little bit tart. I'd say it's playing a little bit more on the cranberry side than the the cherry, and maybe like a little bit of blueberry. Um, I'd, I'd really be interested to know what combination of terpenes is creating this kind of dark berry flavor. I'm really liking it and seeing it more and more now, so I, I would just love to know exactly what the COA on this is. Uh, Shelter Market is listing the dominant terpenes on this as farnesine, I believe, as well as linalool, caryophylline, uh, limonene, I think. Um, so yeah, seeing a lot of pharmacine dominant, uh, cultivars popping up lately. And I'm interested to know more about this particular terpene and whether this has anything to do with this cherry taste. I believe it, uh, I believe it can be found on apple skin, maybe responsible for the green apple smell. Yeah. Overall taste was very good. Um, one thing I like about this black cherry punch compared to, uh, another cherry punch cultivar, the Blickmicht GTEC. 
uh, cherry punch there is that it it's lacking that kind of uh, plasticky aftertaste that I got from the Blickmicked Cherry Punch there, which wasn't a bad thing. It was just a very unique note that I find kind of characteristic of some of the G-Tech offerings. So none, none of that plasticky aftertaste here. My only real criticism is that uh, the taste is a little muted, difficult to find. Um, so even in the vape, I, I really had to crank this up. The boiling point of farnesine, I think is 125 degrees Celsius, so there's no chance you're gonna miss it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember. I remember that it's low. Yeah, incredibly low. So it's always in there. Yeah, I've tried this on a wide variety of vape temperatures, and the taste is there. I I, I just wouldn't say it kicks me as much as the smell does. It's just a little little bit of a cranberry note. So oh, that's a little disappointing, just because of how beautiful that uh that nose description sounds. It's still good. It's just when compared to the nose, I think it falls a little bit short, but uh, I'm still rating it as a seven for taste. That's decent. Yeah, it's it's honestly not a bad taste. Effects. 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 This is where the punch in Black Cherry Punch comes in. When I was shopping this stuff, or rather, sorry, when I was seeing this stuff popping up on my Twitter feed... One thing that wasn't really mentioned a lot is the utterly ridiculous THC percentage on this bud here. And as we've discussed plenty of times, THC isn't everything. There's lots of other interesting cannabinoids and lots to be said about CBD, THCV, as you mentioned earlier, uh, CBG. But with that all being said... This Black Cherry Punch came in for me at 28.3% THC, which actually makes it the highest percentage offering I have gotten so far that wasn't uh, a pre-roll, which, as we know, tend to be a little dubious. Hollywood accounting. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Pre-rolls. Yeah. No, I once got a 30% pre-roll, but uh, yeah, always a little bit skeptical about those. It wasn't 30% flour, that's for sure. Yeah. but this almost is 28. That is, it's nearing the extremes of the spectrum. I think 31, 30, between 31 and 30, 34% is like the highest I've ever heard of actually happening. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've discussed on this episode or on this show plenty of times that we're probably not going to be seeing those types of percentages here in Canada. No, are, it's just rare. You know, like it's, it's really exceptional product that can exceptional genetics and like a once in a lifetime phenotype or. effects yeah exactly (laughs) i mean at at 32 percent, that's like we're talking you know nearly half of the plant is not plant matters cannabinoids that's that's just ridiculous but i mean that's plant matter right it's all plant matter i suppose it is so anyway i won't say too much more about the thc but 28.3 percent an honest to god 28.3 and it feels it, too. Honestly, this is cracking the tolerance barrier pretty regularly for me. I'm, it's not a one-bowl KO, obviously, but usually two or three is enough to kind of get me cooking. And and it also has some nice medicinal properties for, for me as well. Uh, I don't know, again, if this is maybe the pharnacine kicking in, but I find it reduces inflammation twitching a little bit so again really great for my muscles i see why this is listed on shelter for medical patients it is really great medicine and uh, i've been going through it really quickly as a result of that my chronic pain has been flaring up recently and i find that this has been uh, a nice panacea for the for the short-term flare-ups that sounds great i'm actually delighted to hear that 
for you? Yeah, it was a pleasant surprise. I, I think one of the things I was most worried about, or I guess not worried, but skeptical about going into medical cannabis is just that, uh, you know, having done cannabis recreationally and in other situations for so many years, you know, what about this is going to be so different? But there are a couple of, I guess, medical exclusive offerings that I think are a little bit more therapeutic for me, personally, at least. Well, I'm looking forward to you continuing that journey and finding even more medicinal products. And maybe maybe I one day will accept that I'm using this BC Crabber <laughs> Congo as medicine also. It certainly sounds like that's like the secret theme of the episode. Yeah. The secret theme? Yeah. I mean, the theme of the episode was the packaging, but we both like there's there's a Venn diagram of the weed we both had. We're both using it for like medicinal purposes rather than strictly recreational ones. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. These two cultivars, and well, the one that you reviewed is also available on Char- Shelter Market. As I as I mentioned, they stock all the Rubicon offerings as well, and uh, I've been taking advantage of that. I'm personally a huge fan of the Blue Dream. Yeah, all very good medicine, and this uh, this North Forty Black Cherry Punch is some of the best medicine I've had recently, I'd say. So yeah, the effects of this bud, I'm going to have to rate this pretty well at an 8.5. It's hitting all the right spots for me, and I will continue to use this as medicine going into the future as long as uh, Gord and Co. continue growing it. What does that give us overall? All in all, this North 40 Black Cherry Punch garners an average of 8.25. And despite that being pretty high, I think I'm going to subjectively bump that up to an 8.5 because... This has gone into permanent rotation for me. The first time I picked it up, I only got a quarter of it. And then the next time I picked it up, I got a half ounce. And the next time I pick <laughs> it up, I might get more than that. So wow, it's, uh, it's going into rotation. And I can see this being in rotation for as long as I can stand it. And I'm looking forward to future offerings from Gord and North 40. Uh, because this has left a very stellar impression on me. So an 8.5 subjective, 8.25 average for the Black Cherry Punch. Great stuff. This product, like my Simply Bear product that I reviewed today, is also one that I've wanted to stockpile, which is like kind of unusual. Like I usually just get a, a half queue of stuff, but this is one that I also went up to the, the half ounce for. The, uh, the Creek Congo? Yep. I didn't realize you could get that in half ounce. No, or did you just, you just stock it up? No, I just bought four <laughs> half quarters. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think uh, those glass jars, I've, I've certainly got a nice pile of them going on. I don't yeah, know I've got you. like six of them. I don't think I'm ever going to need to buy a, a glass jar again. So nope. I don't think I'm going to need to buy a mason jar ever again. <laughs> and if you're the kind of person like me who keeps any and all cute and uh, pretty jars hanging around with the hope that you will one day put trinkets or whatever the fuck in them, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, you're, you're going to end up with lots of these in your collection. You got to understand that that's not most people. <laughs> I, you know? I you like know to think it's about, most people. You know, it's not most people. But you know what? It definitely is What's My Pot. They, their Instagram has lots of good trinkets in it. They are a fellow trinket person. A shout out to all fellow trinket people. I know you're out there and you're are good you people. Tchotchke, are you trinket people or are you tchotchke people? You can only be one. We like our tchotchkes. Okay, that's got to be enough for today. I am so sorry to our dear listeners whom I would die for. We would literally fall on our sword for you. I won't stop talking. I won't stay on subject, but I, <laughs> but, would, I would die for you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>